All right. Well, hello, everyone. Great to see you all here this evening. Redemption Tucson. And uh, my name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here. And um, just great to, great to see everyone here and to uh, kick off this Advent season all together here. And um, let me just kind of explain what this is and kind of set the tone. If um, perhaps like me, uh, you didn't grow up in a, in a church um, home or church background and you don't know what that word Advent means, um, the word Advent means expected arrival or coming. And so what we do in this season, as the church has historically done for uh, a couple thousand years, is um, observe a time of celebration where we remember the fulfillment of God's promise in the first arrival or first coming of Jesus. And then we are now shaped by our anticipation and excitement of the fulfillment of his promise in the second coming in the second arrival of Jesus, um, if, if you will. And so uh, this is always an incredibly intentional and purposeful time for us a- as a church to be shaped in this, in this season. And so we will, throughout the next um, f- four weeks, we will walk through an intentional time where we'll get to hear from someone and hear how a certain theme of this Advent season shapes them and their family. So with that, I'm very excited to welcome up the Padua family. So we all go ahead and welcome them up with me. And let me give you that, and we can trade spots there. And so, yeah, will y'all just go ahead and um, uh, introduce yourselves and, um, and then share with us what this theme of, of this week that we're in is, is, is hope. And what does hope look like, and, and how does that shape your, your family? Yeah, so as Dade said, we are the Padua's. My name is Beth. This is my husband, MJ. And this is our baby girl who will be here in March. Um, yes. Yeah, we are excited to kick off Advent season with you guys tonight, and uh, we're going to share a little bit about hope, how that's rung true in this season, specifically in the day-to-day. Yeah, for our family, like many others, hope has been really hard to latch onto, to remind ourselves of, and if we're being honest, to believe at times in this past year. For us specifically, um, we've been walking through a season of mourning, of loss, Um, At the beginning of the pandemic or whatever it was in the spring, um, one of the girls that Beth was uh, discipling passed away. She was 21, Mm. and that was really tough to begin um, social distancing without being able to mourn alongside um, people. We've also had to mourn the not like the unmet expectations of what it would look like to celebrate our baby girl because Mm. friends and family can't just come and. Praise God alongside us for the incredible blessing that she is to us. Mm. And with everything going on in the world, it's been really, really easy to dehumanize people that we don't agree with because we can't engage with them on a person-to-person level. Mm. So the hope that we have in Jesus has really shaped our lives, obviously. Not only is that, not only that he's on the throne, which is true and incredible, but that his kingdom is coming and it's fast approaching approaching. And it's a kingdom where COVID doesn't exist, where we're going to trade in social distancing for perfect intimacy with God. Mm. We're going to be trading in um, so many broken, wicked things that we see um, for justice. And the Imago Dei is going to be preserved and not trampled on. And because of this hope, we're able to engage with the Lord in the season of mourning and loss and grieving and not move to despair, Mm. that we get to persevere 
um, that we get to still worship him and praise him for how good he is, and we can even pray that his kingdom would come quickly. Wow. Well, amen. Um, yeah, thank you guys for sharing and for that. Yeah, we can clap. Amen. That's uh, good news, and we, we agree. And um, yeah, thank you, and, and just sorry. We, we grieve as your church family alongside you, and also thank you and, and share in, this, in the hope um, that, that, that you shared with us. And so with that, we'll, we all go ahead and light the, the first candle. And, and each week, with the, the theme that we've walked through will um, we'll remain lit, and then we'll, write, we'll uh, lo- light the next one. And so even I just encourage us to remember the, the hope we have in, in Christ. And, and uh, these are actually trick candles. So um, good job, Beth. You, you did it. Um, no, but again, yeah, thank you guys for, for, for sharing with us. And um, now, church, if, if y'all will, will you join us in standing as we r- read God's word? And as a reminder, um, we stand out of r- reverence and awe for God and for his word as we, uh, as we, as we prepare our, our hearts. So this is Mark 1, 14 through 15. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Yeah, thank you guys. And as you do, let's go ahead and thank the Paduas. Um, and I'm going to bring my little little stand up here. Um, and uh, there we are, a little crickety. And let me get some stuff here. Um, obviously, again, as you probably know, when you're couch surfing like we are as a church, you, uh, you kind of move your things around and sometimes forget what you l- left at whose house. Um, at least that was how I always ro- rolled in my high school times. Um, but again, just want to uh, uh, introduce m- myself if you just came in. And, and I think I forgot to also mention um, that I have a st- Tutter, and it'll kind of come in and out as we as we go, and I uh, just want to make sure that you know what that is. And um, again, my name is Dave, the, the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson, and I'm, I'm excited for this season we get to walk through together. For all of you at, at home, I, I encourage you, even if you have an Advent um, candle set, or if you don't, you can still go out and get, get one, and um, and even just walk through this, this time uh, with us in that intentional way. Um, as well, because what we're going to be looking at this this season, this Advent season, as we do every year, we, we, we take a break and then we enter into this theme specifically to help shape us and orient us. And so the one that we're looking at this um, this year, the, the overall theme is your kingdom come. And MJ, I don't even think knew, but he definitely uh, set the stage there for us to dive into looking at the reality of the kingdom of Jesus. And, 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 and so what we're going to do um, this evening is we're going to set the stage for that. And, and, and so we're going to kind of zoom out and we're going to walk through the bigger picture, what's referred to as the story of God, the true story. And, and we'll see why this season of anticipation, this season of Jesus's birth, what it even means, how that shapes um, society as a whole, why it's a big deal. Again, those are things we can probably take for granted in many ways. And so what we're going to do this evening is just kind of zoom out and look at the bigger picture of what the anticipation of the kingdom of God coming, um, what that meant for the first um, church, for the early church in, in Jesus's birth and why that was such a big deal and how that fits into the bigger story of all of scripture. And then also how that shapes us. How does Jesus's birth, how does Christmas shape our anticipation, our, our, our hope for the, the second coming of 
Christ. And, and so as we get into this time, I want to encourage us to just to acknowledge um, how easily skewed our perspective can be, how, how easily discontented we can become at certain things, how, how, how easily we can learn to find contentment or hope or joy in things that are fleeting and will be can be taken away so easily, and then how we can put our hope in things that ultimately fail us, and then what does it look like for us to have hope in the kingdom of Jesus, in the promised coming of his kingdom. So with that, will you go ahead and pray with me as we get into our time here together? Heavenly Father, we we need you, and, and I pray that through our time in your word, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you will, you will shape us. Um, Lord, we, we acknowledge, or I acknowledge kind of on our behalf, that, that, that we are a fickle people, that, that we can be um, so easily rattled, that we can, we can, we can build our, our, our houses on really, really unstable foundations, and when when something difficult comes, we can come crashing down. Lord, we pray that you will help us understand what it looks like to have hope in, in you and in your promises and that we can join in your people throughout the ages in crying out your, your kingdom come and that your promise, Jesus, that your kingdom is near, Lord, that that would, would shape us. So we pray all this in, in your name. Amen. So again, in, as we walk through this, um, I'm going to walk through many different scriptures scriptures. If you have a copy of God's word with you, I, I encourage you to, to follow along with me. If not, you can um, jot them, them down because again, we're going we're gonna to kind of zoom out and look at, the, look at a number of different scriptures and how that common theme of, 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 of the kingdom of God coming and the nearness that, that his kingdom is in Jesus ushering in his kingdom and again, how that shapes us. So first we, we, we look at the anticipation for God's kingdom. Um, a character we've seen a lot throughout John, where we've been in the book of John for the last number of months, and though we're taking a break from that, um, we, can, we can recall, right, we saw John the Baptist, Jesus's cousin. Well, his father, Zachariah in Luke, um, talks about, or we get a, a snapshot into the anticipation that, that when Jesus's birth came and um, what, how, what that would have meant for God's faithful people who were anticipating his, his, his promise in the first coming of, of his son. And so in Luke chapter one, verses 68 through 69, it says this, this is the long awaited fulfillment of God's promise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. So King David was a thousand years before the birth of Jesus. And yet, why does Zechariah talk about this horn of salvation and this this fulfillment of of God's promises? And what does that look like? What is is the the long-awaited fulfillment of God's promise? Well, it was that things would be the way they should be. Okay, in this time, um, Zechariah was a Jewish priest and the Jewish people were over or were under rather Roman oppression. 
I'm actually walking through kind of a historical fiction book right now um, that's, that's been great, and it's just helped me understand what that would have looked like to, to, to have had everything that, that you identify with be under scrutiny, and m- most of your worship you weren't even allowed to enter into, and so things were incredibly broken. They weren't the, the way they should be. Every aspect of human life is, again, MJ and Beth shared some during the, the time um, where they lit the Advent candle, just, um, I'm sorry, ki- candle, not camel. It's not an Advent camel. The Advent candle. And they, they walked us through the, just some, a snapshot into their lives of, of, of the world. That's just not the way it should be. Death coming inevitably for all of us. And, and in some cases, way too soon. And then interpersonal dynamics and relationships being, being broken and being, there being hostility and, and frustration. And as he talked about, social distancing, just right. I, I probably don't need to list all of the frustrations that probably many of us would say amen to right, right now. And so there's been in God's people ever since the beginning, ever since sin entered in where we turned away from God and tried to, tried to figure things out on our own. And we tried to establish our own kingdom right? Where we're in charge, where we rule, where we rule with each other. I'm the king of my domain. Oh, you think you're the queen or the king of, of this domain? Well, where our domains intersect, there will be conflict, right? There will be frustration. And so, and so th- this idea, and God promised that he would set things straight. And so the birth of Jesus is the, is the beginning or the fulfillment of his promise to make things new, and then in Jesus' own words, we hear that his kingdom is near, as we read earlier in Mark. Let me um, g- meet us back there in Mark chapter 1 in verses 14 and 15. These are Jesus' own words when he began his public ministry. This is what he said. And it says this, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand or is near. Repent and believe in the gospel. Well, what did Jesus mean there? If, if the kingdom of God, like, let me ask you a question to consider. Is the kingdom of God here? Like, uh, our world is broken, right? We've talked, how is the kingdom of God here, right? It sure doesn't feel like it. If he is the king and he's ruling and reigning, why do I hear the helicopter? Un- unless it's a s- sightseeing helicopter right now, it's either someone who's going to or from to the hospital or there's some kind of crime going on, right? That that like, what? why is, like I, I hear that going on, right? There's, the world is broken. Why, so is the kingdom here. Yet Jesus bursts on the scene and says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is near. It is among you. All right. A a couple of verses to help us understand the nearness of the kingdom and what Jesus would mean in John, right? If you recall, again, we're, we're in John and in John chapter one, um, verse, verse 14, this is what it says about Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So in one aspect, the, the, the anticipation of his kingdom and Jesus shows up and says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, is among you in, in one aspect because Jesus is physically here. He is Emmanuel, right? That's a 
Christmas word that we sing and we know about. That means God with us, God among us. So the fact that Jesus is here on the earth through him, through his presence, the kingdom is near. And then further down in John chapter 1, John the Baptist, again Jesus' cousin, says this. He saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Okay, so Jesus' physical presence, and then Jesus fulfilling this role of being a Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Through him, the kingdom is here. The anticipated kingdom is at hand. But let's be honest, right? This is confusing. Um, This guy, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, one of his followers, many of us can relate with him, can relate with Peter, because he just says the first thing on his mouth, and, and I want to acknowledge, right, when I asked earlier, is the kingdom of God here? That for many of us, that's confusing, right? We can acknowledge no, the world is not the way it should be, right? So no, God's kingdom is not here. The kingdom of the world is, is at hand. The kingdom of the world is reigning and ruling right now, right? Things are not the way they should be. Yet Jesus says it's here. It's at hand. It's among us. How does that work? It can be very confusing, um, uh, again, his follower, his disciple, Peter. Let's look at this incredible interaction. Hopefully we can find a little bit of, of comfort in how Peter interacts with this idea that Jesus shares his kingdom is at hand. It says this in Mark chapter eight. And he began to teach, that's Jesus, that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed And after three days, rise again. So you can imagine, right? Jesus, the king, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, is among you, right? This would be a bold proclamation that people who heard Jesus saying this would have like sat up like, all right, it's about time. And then he he would posture himself as a king. So there would be confusion. But now he's talking about being killed. Well, sovereign authoritative kings don't suffer (laughs) and get killed. So... In verse 32, because Jesus said this plainly, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Let me ask you honestly, how many of us want to or have rebuked God about 2020? All right, yeah, a couple snaps here, a couple honest, like, right, like, yeah, you, you missed this. Um, I know you've, you're sovereign, right? You've got this plan. You're, you're working all things together for good, but I, I, you must be sleeping right now. You missed this one. You didn't, like, you, you, you already did this in 1918 or some version of it. Like, all right, like, you know, the history of humankind already has something to kind of look at. You know, why are we here? Why are we in this moment right now? And again, in our own lives, what, uh, what Beth shared, they're, they're, I want to give freedom and acknowledgement that, that confusion can be okay. How can you be a king and be on the throne and say your kingdom is at hand, is among us, but this is going on right now? And, and again, I just want us to acknowledge that perhaps, like Peter, we set our minds too easily on things of the earth rather than on things that are above. 
And so to help us understand this actually now, um, I want to show a, a little vi video. It's about five, almost six minutes long. It's a little bit of a longer vi video, but it's really compelling and really helpful in understanding the bigger picture of this idea of the kingdom of heaven and how can it be here in part and yet still to come. And again, well, how does this language of kingdom relate with Christmas, with Jesus coming and Jesus's birth and then his death and his resurrection, with Jesus being Emmanuel, God in the flesh, God with us, and Jesus being the Lamb of God. So hopefully it's all queued up now. Let's turn down the, uh, the lights and, and then see So this. in the Bible, the ideas of heaven and earth are ways of talking about God's space and our space. So I understand our space really well. We live here. There's trees, rivers, mountains. But my understanding of God's space gets a little fuzzy. And what we do get in the Bible are images trying to help us grasp God's space, which is basically inconceivable to us. So these are two very different types of spaces. Yes, they're, they're different in their nature, but here's what's really interesting is that in the Bible, these are not always separate spaces. So think of heaven and earth as like different dimensions that can overlap in the same exact space. So we talk a lot about going to heaven after we die, but... This idea of heaven and earth overlapping, we don't talk a lot about that. Which is kind of crazy because the union of heaven and earth is what the story of the Bible is all about. How they were once fully united and then driven apart and about how God is bringing them back together once again. So let's go back to the beginning where heaven and earth, they're completely overlapping. Yeah, this is what uh, the Bible's description of the Garden of Eden is all about. It's a place where God and humanity dwelt together perfectly, no separation, and, and humans then partner with God in building a flourishing, beautiful world and so on. But as humans, we wanted to do things a different way. We wanted God out and we wanted to create a world apart from him. Yeah, so we have these two spaces now. And the Bible actually uses lots of different kinds of words and phrases to refer to these two spaces to make a, a clear distinction. So you've said that these spaces can overlap, though. So explain how that works. Yeah, this is where we have to start talking about temples. Because in the biblical world, you experience God's presence by going to a temple. That's where heaven and earth uh, overlap. Now, there are two types of temples described in the Bible. One is a tabernacle, basically a tent that was built by Moses. And the other was this massive building made by Solomon. And these temples were decorated with fruit trees and flowers and images of angels and all kinds of gold and jewels and so on. And these are designed to make you feel like you're going back to the garden. And at the center of the temple was a place called the Holy of Holies, which was like the hot spot of God's presence. Now we can go and be with God again. But not so fast, because the temple also creates a problem. So God's space is full of his presence and goodness and justice and beauty, but human space is full of sin and injustice and the ugliness that results. So how do these spaces overlap if they're so different and they're in conflict with each other? This was resolved through animal sacrifice. Yeah, that's kind of weird. What do animal sacrifices have to do with this? Yeah, the, the idea is this. Animal sacrifices, somehow they absorb the sin when the animal dies in your place. And it creates a clean space, so to speak, where you are now free to enter into the temple and be in God's presence. Okay, so if I'm an Israelite and I live in Jerusalem, I might be able to be in God's presence. 
But you said the story of the Bible is all of heaven and earth reuniting. Right. So we have to keep going in the story where we come to Jesus in the New Testament. And in the Gospel of John, we hear this claim that God became human in Jesus and made his dwelling among us. Now, this word dwelling is really curious. Literally, it means he set up a tabernacle among us. And so what John is claiming right here is that Jesus is a temple. He is now the place where heaven and earth overlap. What's interesting about Jesus is that he isn't staying in this safe, clean space. He's running around, hanging out with sinners. He's healing people of their sicknesses and forgiving people of their sins. He's basically creating little pockets of heaven where people can be in God's presence, but he's doing it out there in the middle of the world of sin and death. And he keeps telling everyone that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he even told his followers to pray regularly that God's kingdom come and that his will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. But a lot of people are threatened by Jesus and they kill him, which seems to spoil this whole plan to reunite heaven and earth. But we we have to go back to a scene earlier on in Jesus' story where John the Baptist saw Jesus and said, Behold, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus isn't just talked about as being a temple. He's also talked about as being the temple sacrifice. Yeah, so, so the cross is now the place where Jesus absorbs sin to create a clean space that is not limited like animal sacrifices. Jesus' sacrifice has the power to keep spreading and spreading and reuniting more and more of heaven and earth. And this is all really great, but it leaves one big question in my mind, which is, what happens when I die? Don't I just fly over to God's space to be with Jesus? Yeah, so a few times in the New Testament, we learn that Christians will be with Jesus in heaven after they die, but that is not the focus of the Bible's story. The focus is on how heaven and earth are being reunited through Jesus and will be completely brought together one day when he returns. So in the book of Revelation, we get this beautiful image of the Garden of Eden, now in the form of a city, coming to end the age of sin and death by redeeming all of human history in a renewed creation. And God's space and human space completely overlap once again. All right. So um, that's from a, a group called the Bible Project, and um, we've, we've shared that video before, and I would definitely encourage you. We actually have supported that, that ministry because we use them so much. And um, hopefully that video helps you understand some of the bigger picture of the, of the, of the story and, and how this fits into and how right now in this season when we're so easily tempted to question God's trustability, his trustworthiness, that, that, that we can look back to the fulfillment of his promise in coming. Like, again, imagine in, in first century Rome, you know, in Jerusalem, under Roman rule, and just the world in absolute chaos and, and sin in so many despicable ways, just the everyday way of life that people took for granted, and yet Jesus decided, chose to stay true to his word and to enter into our mess, to our brokenness. And so what is that final day that we look forward to? What does it look like for the kingdom to come in full one day? 
Because as we saw, as we've heard, as we've heard Jesus say, the kingdom is at hand. It's here in part, right? But not yet fully. One day, we look forward to the day of final restoration in Revelation chapter 21. Let me read verses 3 through 5 to help enliven our anticipation, our, our excitement for what it will look like. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. How many things? All things. Okay, we, we, we sing a song in this Christmas season, right? Where we, 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 we sing, right? Far as the curse is found. Right, well, the curse, the reality of sin, the reality of rebellion of, against God, right? In that video, I don't know if you saw, it was someone holding up a middle finger with it blurred out. It was this, it, which can sound, oh, that's irreverent. No, that's honest. That's real. That's when we don't want to recognize with our mouths what's actually going on in our heart. When we say, God, let me take you aside and rebuke you for what you've done with 2020 with what you're doing right now. Yes, sharing our frustration, but, but, but it's, 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 the, it's the reality of submitting to God and recognizing that he knows better than we do. And so as we anticipate his final kingdom, we look ahead to one day, every tear being wiped away, interpersonal discord no longer being a reality. God dwelling among, among us, not just in idea, but in a reality, right? When Adam heard God walking in the garden, he fled from him because of sin, because of his shame. But one day through Christ, because shame has been taken away in full, we will delight once again. We will hear the sound of God walking in the garden and run toward him, shameless, run toward one another without shame or animosity, that's the hope that we look forward to. And so now, let's just be honest. What do we do? What do we do now? What do we do today in 2020? How do we look ahead to that day and have it shape our lives right now? One is we're patient. Okay, James chapter 5, verse 7 and 8 says this. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. What does it look like for us to anticipate, to cry out, to long for the second coming of Jesus, the restoration of all things, yet to patiently wait on his timing? And also, what does it look like for us to start living it out now? When Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he didn't mean one day you'll get your wings and your diaper and your harp and you'll just float around in heaven and, and, and just look ahead to that boring day. No, he says it's here right now. 
Start living out the kingdom of heaven now. Is Jesus on the throne right now? Yes. What did Jesus say that we read in Revelation 21? I am making all things new. He will one day make all things new in full, once and for all. But right now, he is making all things new. Church, how in this season can we help build anticipation in the world around us by living out the realities of the kingdom of heaven today? How can we, as we heard and read about and see now, live in light of the fact that Jesus is on the throne, that Jesus is reconciling all people to himself, that Jesus is, 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 is seeing what should not be, right? When he heals someone in their sickness, what does it look like for us to pray for one another and care for others in the world around us when they're sick, when there's brokenness, when there's hate, when there's pain? What does it look like for us to live out and build anticipation for the reality of the kingdom so that we as a church and the world around us through our witness can anticipate the full coming of the kingdom in the reality that it is already here. It is already at hand. That we can build our anticipation and excitement for that day because we look back as we celebrate the first coming of Jesus and cannot wait for his second coming. Let's pray together. Again, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. Um, thank you that you are indeed, Lord Jesus, on the throne and that we are not. Lord, I, I want to be the first maybe to <laughs> repent and Lord, for all of us to perhaps in our time of response, repent of our desire to take you aside and rebuke you because we've set our eyes on things that are of the earth and not on your kingdom, which is above. And so, Lord, I pray, though, that this would, for the mo most part, be a time of encouragement, Lord, where you will remind us of your good news. Lord, shape us and, and build us and grow us and allow us to be a holy, set-apart people, Lord, because our anticipation and your final promise is fulfilled and in, 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 in we are reminded as we look back and we remember your promises all throughout history and specifically in your first coming, in the birth of Jesus. Lord, shape us. Use us, Lord, bless us now in our time of responding to you through the power of your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray, amen.